0: Hey, everybody, put your hands together for Cape Coral, God Behind Bars, everyone at City First Anywhere, and also right here in good old Rockford, Illinois. Man, I hope you're having a great summer. Uh, I know I am, and, and you know what, Jen and I are just praying that your summer is one that is full of blessing and rest and, and maybe some family and friends and a few hot dogs and cookouts every once in a while, right? Well, listen, we're in this series that we are focusing on the Old Testament book of Proverbs. Another nickname of the book of Proverbs is the Book of Wisdom. Now, if you're here for the very first time, the book of wisdom or Proverbs was written by a man by the name of Solomon. He was a king in Israel that lived thousands of years ago, and during his lifetime at that era of of history, he was the wisest person to ever walk the face of the earth, that God actually said that he was the wisest and gave him wisdom. So, why is wisdom important? Why are we diving into this book? Well, this is the reason why. You make your decisions, and your decisions make you. All right? Turn the person next to you and say, Amen. All right? God wants our lives to not only be saved, but successful. Do you hear that? So, it says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, the beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom. So in other words, if you want to become wise, you got to get after it. You got to go after it. You got to chase it down. It will not strike you like lightning. All right. Goes on to say, though it costs you all you have, get understanding. So there are some mega themes we've been talking about, and we're going to talk about in this series. And today, the mega theme that I'm going to focus on in the book of Proverbs that comes from Solomon, this very wise man, is the mega theme of work ethic, all right? Work ethic. Another way of saying it is the ethic of work, the ethic of work. Now, you know what? What is the ethic of work? It is a belief in the moral value of work. In other words, work has a moral value for you and I. And it's always interesting, ladies and gentlemen, always interesting to preach an inspiring message on work. So today I'm going to need you to be with me because here's the reason why. I'm going to say things and we're going to talk about work. And I know some of you right now are automatically thinking to yourself, I don't like work. I don't like where I work. <laughs> I don't like the people I work with. All right. Many people consider work a four-letter word. And it is. But my point is, is this. All right, it isn't the four-letter word you think it is. All right, in fact, uh, like many of you might say, I just I just don't even like where I work, and 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 I can't wait to get to to Friday. I just wanna I live for the weekend. There are millions of Americans that live for the weekend. You could say, and I would say, yeah, you may not be in the job that you love, but that's different from loving to do work. I'm gonna differentiate that. You know, you may not be in your forever job right now or your forever career. You may want to switch that at some point. But that's separate from what I'm talking about today. Today I'm talking about actually working and having a love to do labor, all right? And and so at the end of the day, it is my prayer that you have an exciting outlook on the idea of work. It's kind of like... This attitude right here, right? Hi ho, hi ho, it's off to work we go. All right. In fact, uh, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm excited about work. Now turn to the other person and say, I might have lied a little. <laughs> okay, Solomon has a lot to say in this book about a work ethic. And many times he explains what happens if we don't work as people and we become lazy. And I'm just going to give you a heads up. He's pretty unedited here. This is what he says in Proverbs chapter 6 verses 6 through 11. He says, "'Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones.'" (laughs) Wow, all right, he's coming out of the gates, all right? He's coming out. Uh, He woke up and chose violence today, all right? (laughs) So here's the thing. (laughs) "'You lazy bones, learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones.'" how long will you sleep when will you wake up when will you turn off netflix oh wait that doesn't say that there anyway okay a little extra sleep a little more slumber a little more folding of the hands to rest then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit scarcity will attack you like an armed robber wow all right he is not um pulling back here he's he's letting loose He's talking about this idea of working, and I want you to start off with this thought. Work is not a result of sin entering the world. I know some people think, well, now that, you know, Garden of Eden is no longer around, and Adam and Eve, they ate of the forbidden fruit, and now all of a sudden there's pain and sickness and death and all the things, and so now we have to work, but actually, At the beginning of time, before there was sin, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, the Lord placed the man in the garden to tend. Another word for tend is to work and to watch over it. In other words, it was a part of our original design and function and assignment in this world that we were created to work. Yes, work has become troublesome It has become wearisome because of sin. Definitely. It has been jaded and tainted because of sin. But we were not created to sit around all day and take selfies and do nothing, all right? We were not created to just veg and sit on a couch. So here's a question What is God doing right now? Here's the answer He's working. Do you understand that? What's God doing right now in this world? He's working. By his spirit, he's working in this world through you and I and the move of his spirit. He's working. And if we're made in the image of God, our God is proactive, he is strategic, and he is working. In fact, God is the best steward of all. Therefore, he gives blessing and resource to those who are also responsible. Do you hear that? He's looking and he's saying, who's responsible in this world? I'm going to give blessing. I'm going to have resource to them. Because success is really about embracing responsibility. In fact, I put it this way, the foundation of success is self-management. If I can manage myself, I will find success. In other words, asking this question, what has God given me? And what am I going to do with it? In other words, what is he giving you right now? What is he giving you and what are you going to do with it? You know what God's number one problem on the earth is? You know what it is? Here's a hint. It's not the devil. You sit there and say, really? No, no, no. Listen, remember, remember we celebrated Easter a few months ago, okay? So here's the thing. On Easter morning, Jesus rose from the dead. The tomb was empty. We say this all the time and it's referenced in the Bible. He conquered death hell and the grave. He's not scared of the devil. He's not worried about what the devil is doing. He's not biting his fingernails because the devil is at work. No, no, no. He has conquered the devil. He doesn't even, he doesn't care. In other words, in the sense of the enemy is scheming and doing all these things, God is so much more powerful. He is so much more infinitely powerful than the devil. That's not his problem. Here's God's number one problem on the earth it is believers with delivered spirits but the same old thinking in other words in other words these christians you and i we've been given freedom but we still live like a slave to sin or that we have been given victorious power the bible says this that the same power that raised christ from the dead lives inside of you and me but we live like we're weak see we have delivered spirits but the same old habits and the same old mindsets see irresponsibility really is the enemy of godly stewardship all right and stewardship is maximizing the resources that are under your care you go what is stewardship maximizing the resources you already have well what do i have well i'll tell you you have time we all have time by by the way that's a level playing field doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, where you grew up or where you live, you have the same amount of time as the person sitting next to you, the same amount of time as Elon Musk, the same amount of time as the president of the United States, the same amount of time as Abraham Lincoln had, the same amount of time as y- you fill in the blank. There no one has advantage here. We all have the same amount of time, right? What else is a resource? Your talents? How about your money? your stuff, whatever you own, your attention, your relationships, your influence, all of these things you must steward and I must steward. And I'll tell you what, the spirit of responsibility, in other words, being a responsible person always attracts the blessing of God. So when you take all those resources, you say, I'm going to take my time, my resources, my influence, my relationships, the stuff I own, the money I have. When I am a good steward of these things, guess what that does? It's like a magnet, and it attracts the blessing of God. And in our culture, we're telling everybody, dream big dreams, and go out and achieve those dreams. But here's the thing. Dreams and goals are useless without work and consistent effort dreams are like farming i always say this dreams are like farming it's kind of like god looks at us and we dream god i'm dreaming big dreams for my life for my career for my marriage for my legacy for whatever okay okay so god says this is like farming you go clear the ground you then go till the ground then you go plant the seed Jeremy, then you make sure you pull the weeds when they grow. You water that seed, and then God says, and I will do the miracle of growth. You must do all of those things, and then I'll do the miracle of growth. So it's the same way as farming. We got to work. You got to work, 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 okay, work, okay? We got to do it, all right? We got to work, and then God does the miracle of growth. I can't grow the seed. You can't grow the seed. But guess what we could do? We could protect the seed. We could water the seed. We could make sure the seed isn't choked out because of all the weeds, right? Dreams are just wishes without work. Dreams are just wishes without work. There's a lot of people, I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming, but they ain't scheming. There's nothing, there's nothing they're doing. They're just dreaming. Well, that, that's wishing then. That's just wishing. Now, I'm, I'm praying big prayers, God. All right. If you're praying big prayers, big dreams, then get ready for big challenges. Okay? Get ready for big challenges. New level, new devil. In fact, the bigger the dream, the bigger the challenges. Do you hear that? And that's really the way it is. See, God will give you what you can manage, not what you can ask for. That's very important. It's like when my kids when they wanted to drive the car when they were nine years old no you can't do it until you grow where you can touch the pedals you can't have the privilege of driving the car in the same way you have car sized dreams but you're too short in your leadership you need to grow you need to wait you need to work You need to do all these things. You need to learn. You need to be trained. How many of you know that sometimes you can get access to something that's actually dangerous because you aren't trained yet to be responsible with whatever it is? You cannot pray away the work that it will take to accomplish the dreams that God has given you. You have to work it. You have to do that. And the real question that Solomon, the author of this book, would ask us, he would ask each and every one of us, what are you becoming? Not what do you want to become. What are you becoming? See, you talk to most people and they will tell you what they want to become, what they want to do, what they want to own, the job they want to have, how they want to achieve certain things and that's all good but many times if you look at a person's life the daily choices they are making is not heading them anywhere remotely close to the dreams that they're dreaming they say i want to own a business someday but every time they get $5 they spend it well why would god allow you to run a $300,000 a year annual business if you can't handle 300 bucks right see The testing is now. It's like the testing of what you have. Before God can promote you to the next level of what you're dreaming for, he's asking you, how are you being a steward of what you already have? Some people say, I want to be a counselor someday, but they don't do their homework. Well, it's not heading them in the direction of their dreams. Or, Or I want to be a great musician, but they never practice. Or I want to eat healthy, but they don't eat right or I want to own a house someday, but I won't take care of the apartment that doesn't technically belong to me. See, see, I want you to explain to God how someday you're going to be a good steward of what you own, but today you're not a good steward of what somebody else has owned. See, see, I don't know. Our, our God would say, be a good steward of what's not yours, and someday I'll give you something that is yours. Does that make sense? Or how about, how about you know, like the story of the great violinist who, who, I mean, you know, played this beautiful concert in this huge concert hall, and at the end of the concert, standing ovation, literally 2,000 people got to their feet and roared because it was so beautiful. After the concert, he went backstage and, and, and one of uh, the, the ladies that had been in the crowd had a backstage pass to meet him and, and, and she came up to him and said, oh, I want you to know, that was amazing. I would give my life to play like you. And the violinist turned back at her and said, looked at her and said this, ma'am, that's exactly what I did. I gave my life. See, we want to be able to have the talent but are we willing to give our life for it? Does that make sense? See, in life, I'm convinced that many times people are more enamored with the idea of dreaming than actually achieving and working the dream. See, they're enamored with this idea that that they're going to become this rather than enamored with the idea of the grind to actually become what they are dreaming to become. Proverbs 10 talks about this, and again, I kind of warn you on this because Solomon is, is just... He's, he's going there. <laughs> he says this in Proverbs 10. It says, Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. A wise youth harvests in the summer, but the one who sleeps during the harvest is a disgrace. I mean, like, again, smartest person to ever walk the face of the earth outside of Jesus. He's writing this, and he's going, He's going, hey, listen, if you want to be wise... You work, you plan, you strategize, you do the grind, all right? Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> Turn to the person next to you and say, I, I'm glad I came even though I know this is hard. All right? I, I'm glad I came even though I know this is, this is, this is hard. Preacher's preaching today. Some of you are like, oh, Pastor Jerry, you're too hard on me right now. You don't know my upbringing, my family of origin. You don't know the circumstances that I'm living in. You don't know the opposition that I'm facing. You don't know the obstacles that are in front of me. And I would say this. I'd say, you're right, I don't, and I don't even pretend to, all right? But I do know this. I do know that God in you is bigger than your past, your present, and will give you the future that you and him are dreaming of. All right? I know that. I know that. In fact, in fact, I will tell you, there will always, there will always be a good reason why you can't. You fill in the blank. There's always going to be a reason why you can't do this or do that. There's always going to be an obstacle. There's always going to be a problem. There's always going to be a head game. There's always going to be insecurity. There's always going to be a lack of resource. There's always going to be a hurdle. Always. All right? In fact, in Proverbs 22, it says this, a lazy person claims, there's a lion out there, if I go outside, I might get killed. What an interesting verse. I mean, seriously, I could picture Solomon is like sitting there and he's like going, how can I illustrate a lazy person having excuses? There's a lion out there, if I go out, I'm going to get killed. There's always going to be an excuse to step out of your comfort zone to step out of whatever is safe there's always going to be a reason in other words you're going to find an excuse it says in proverbs 26 lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors in other words lazy people are like no no i got this i got it locked down and know what i'm doing you know i'm just going to sit here today and you know not do anything but i know what i'm doing i you know okay this thing if you want to be successful Ask successful people what they did and then change your life and do the same. Thomas Edison, you guys all know who he was, one of the greatest inventors literally in history, but definitely in America. He said this, opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and it looks like work. And that's really true. I've discovered this. I've discovered that work can make you tired, but laziness can make you weary. I've, I've discovered that. And there's been times I've been lazy, trust me. I mean, I'm not preaching at you because I got it all together. I'm telling you, I've had times where I've just been plain lazy, and I've been weary. I've been weary. There's a different type of tiredness that comes from working hard versus a weariness that comes from wasting your life. Does that make sense? The greatest weariness comes from work not done, Eric Hoffer once said. And I I think that's very true. Life life can be tiring from time to time. But it's exhausting when you're wasting your time, your talent, and resources. It says in Proverbs 12, 24, Solomon says, Hard work, or excuse me, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. Again, he's... (laughs) He's not being very politically correct here. I mean, he's kind of being politically incorrect, right? But he's telling it like it is. If you want to be a leader, then take on the responsibility of a leader even before you become a leader. In other words, own your zone. Own the zone you're in. Even if it's not the zone you want to live in for the rest of your life, you own that zone. You make it a place of blessing. You make it the best it can be. I used to say this all the time to the leadership college back when it was called the Rockford Masters Commission. I used to tell them, I can tell the condition of your life by looking at the condition of the interior of your car. And they'd be like, what? And I'm like, yeah, come on, let's go. Let's go in the parking lot. We literally, I go in the parking lot. I'm like, bring your keys. And they'd be like, what? And I'd be like, open up your car. And I look at the inside. I'm not looking at, like, the actual physical car. I'm looking at what's in the inside. And I'm seeing bags of, like, McDonald's and, you know, Coke spilled over here. And I, I'm seeing all this. And I'm like, you know what? Can I tell you something? This right here, I guarantee you if I were to look at this, I'm probably also going to the horizontal areas of your bedroom. It probably looks the same. I'm, I'm telling you, I can tell the condition of your life by looking at how you keep things so you want a better car? You want a car that's not held together by Bondo and prayers and bubble gum? Okay, well then you know what you gotta do? You take care of the piece of junk you have. You get it, the oil change, you make sure the air is in the tires, you put gas in it, you clean it, even though you're like going, man, some of these stains don't come out. All right, well, I'll tell you what. Make it as clean as you can. You take care of what you have, you own your zone, and God will give you a better car someday. But if you treat it like junk, and guess what? God says, well, that's your level of stewardship. So therefore, I can't give you something better. <laughs> and I know some of you are like going, oh, man, now you're stepping on my toes. You don't understand. Okay, listen, listen, listen. People think that they will become more responsible when they're promoted to the next level, but they fail to understand that getting promoted to the next level means that you're responsible with where you're at. See, the responsibility you have right now is what gives you the promotion. You don't become responsible, you have to be responsible, and then it gives you the promotion. David Bly said this striving for success without hard work is like trying to harvest where you haven't planted. It's really, really good. So listen own your zone now. Own your apartment, your house now. Own your work now. Own your educational process now, wherever you're at. If you're in school, if you're in a retirement age, then guess what? Own the zone you have right now. If you still have, like, breath, you have purpose. You've not been promoted to heaven yet, so guess what? There's a reason you're alive. Own your zone. Own your zone. Work, I believe, gives a person a sense of self-worth and value in God. Do you understand that? Now, we're valuable to God regardless of what we do. Like, God loves us for who we are, so don't hear me as, you know, commingling work with our value. But my point is, is this, is that we find our worth in Christ But when we work, we're living our truest self in Christ. In other words, there is value when you work hard, you accomplish something. There's a satisfaction when you lay your head on the pillow at night knowing you did something that day. Even if it was your Sabbath and it was resting. Well, you did something good that day because God commands us to rest too, okay? So my point is, is this, you're not wasting your life. Because you can let life happen or you can partner with God to make life happen there's either way you want to look at it and it requires work to accomplish god's will for your life and also for other people Um, in the book of mark there's uh, a really a really kind of neat neat verse here it says this it says they went out meaning the disciples and preached everywhere while the lord worked for them no the Lord worked with them, with them. So in other words, when they went out to preach the gospel, and they went out to, to like go into great unknown territories and to talk about Jesus, the Bible said that the Lord worked with them. I think that word is very important. The Lord didn't do the work, and they didn't do the work by themselves. They worked together. There was a partnership. God partnered with his people to accomplish his will. And he does the same in 2023. Right here in June, he does the exact same thing. He's going to partner with you to raise your kids. He's going to partner with you in your career. He's going to partner with you in your college work. He's going to partner with you as you are a steward of your money, your time, your resources, the stuff you have, okay? We have one life, ladies and gentlemen. You don't get a mulligan on this thing. One life, one life. We have to make it count. I want to end today with uh, just a brief story. I have no way of being able to tell the entire story of this man's life. I mentioned him earlier, Thomas Edison. For those of you that are in Cape Coral right now, at our Cape Coral location in southwest Florida, you know Thomas Edison because right across the Caloosahatchee River, on the opposite side of the bridge from downtown fort myers if you go down mcgregor you will run into thomas edison's winter home stories of thomas edison is that he would sometimes work for two days straight without sleeping like literally he would just work 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 and then he'd crash and he was kind of famous for taking naps he would take naps kind of everywhere. In fact, in his laboratory, he would have a, a bed in the corner and, and he would work and he, he would get these great ideas sometimes at like 2 in the morning and, and then and he'd work through the night and then he'd have a nap or he'd sleep. and I mean, like, it was crazy. Imagine being married to this guy. I mean, right? And, uh, and he just loved inventing. He was curious about life. In fact, he was awarded in his lifetime, 2,332 patents, which would include things like the electric generator, the electric pin, fuel cell, storage battery, motion pictures, and of course, perfecting the incandescent light bulb. That's what he's known for, lights, right? But really, he did way more than that, 2,332 patents. That's the third most like registered patents of any American in all of America's history. This is what Thomas Edison said. Genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. So he would, he would attribute his genius, not that he had this brilliant mind, although we would probably argue that he was pretty intuitive and inquisitive and he was pretty bright. But even then, even then, he would say, It wasn't my mind, it was my work. In fact, do you know, to be able to perfect the incandescent light bulb, he had over 1,000 experiments that ended up in failure before he invented the light bulb that we now know of today. 1,000 times. He like was more than 1,000, actually. But 1,000 times, he tried and failed, tried and failed, tried and failed. Most of us, after three, we'd be like, oh, I can't do it. And he was like, no. And he kept doing it and failing and kept doing it. There are multiple times, if you study his life, multiple times that he made fortune and lost it. <laughs> and then made fortune again because he would, he would bet the farm on some of his inventions and they wouldn't work. And he'd go back to work, and he'd build back up his wealth from nothing. At one point, he had over a hundred companies. Because of all his inventions, he'd start a company. I mean, at one point towards the end of his life, he ended up being pretty wealthy. But to get there, he lost his wealth and gained it back multiple times. This is the quote I want to leave you with, with Thomas Edison. He said this, If we did all the things we are capable of, we would literally astound ourselves. If we did all the things we are capable of, we would literally astound ourselves. I want to spiritualize that a moment. If you would tap in to all the things that God has created you to be and do, you, your life, you would literally astound yourself. You'd be blown away. You are capable of so much more i know i know you're like i'm a single mom i don't or or, i'm a retiree or i don't have a great job or i don't have a formal education or okay i understand those are all hurdles those are all things that are pressing against you some of you might even say i have a learning disability I, i i i don't do good in school okay i get that okay i i'm really not being insensitive But here's what I know. The God in you is greater than whatever obstacle you're facing right now, and it's going to require perspiration and a lot of work, but you will be able to have a life that you'll look back on and you'll be astounded at what God has done. Astounded. I mean, honestly, I'm a... To a degree, I'm a living testimony of that. Like, like, I was not good in school. I was not. I was a B minus C student at best. In the first couple years of college, I basically cheated my way through. Literally. Because I, I, I was not a very good student. I didn't like it. I didn't like reading. I, 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 still, I still don't like reading. I forced myself to read. I'm the kind of person, by the way, when I read a page, my brain is going all kinds of places. I don't know if I'm a little bit ADD or ADHD or whatever, but I mean, I'm always thinking I'm out there and I'm reading and I get done in the page and I'm like, I don't even remember what I just read. I got to read it again. Okay. Some of you are like going, that's me. <laughs> all right. That's me. Now I just achieved a true doctorate. This isn't one of these kind of like honorary things where you mail in 20 bucks and you get a certificate. Okay. Like I've just spent the last five years in very intense study. Got my master's before that. And I will tell you that there are moments that I thought I couldn't do it, many moments. There were times that I wanted to quit. There are times that I, were, I was in my feelings, I was in my head, whatever. And here's the thing. I watched how God blessed my willingness to work, and when I crossed that finish line back in beginning of May, I'll, I'll tell you what—that was one of the moments that I was, in a right way, the most proudest of. And and it isn't because I'm like this bookworm; it comes easy for me. It's the exact opposite. It's really really hard for me. You can do hard things. If I can do hard things, you can do hard things. We all can. You can do harder things than you think you can. It's gonna require work though. So, as we close today, my prayer is that you would love work. I'm not saying you love where you work, you'd love work. This is your one and only life. Make account, steward it well, do great things for God, push past your boundaries get out of your comfort zone, face the music, do the hard things. And if you do that, you not only will see a life that God creates with you that you'll be astounded by, but you will help a lot of other people to have lift in their lives. Y'all hear that? Y'all hear that? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for work. Yeah, work has been polluted and jaded and tainted because of sin but but the concept the core concept is that we are workers that we tend the garden that you have given to us so god i pray help us to be people of responsibility help us to be people of perspiration help us most of all to be people that partner with you because at the end of the day We'll do all the things, but you got to grow the seed. God, we want to work with you because we want our lives to count. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Come on, put your hands together, all right?